This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the Limitless Keith Lee, and I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open podcast. Mwah. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining us, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 69, 69, dude. dude. (laughs) Wild Stallions. I'm Nick Howell. And sitting over here, still in a rest hold, I am... Sir Ian Dangerous, yes. we uh, we are, we just watched Backlash, the, we did. W, the WWE pay per view Backlash 2018. Oh, what a stinker! Eh, it was not very good. It there was, were some it, highlights, uh, as there always are. If you look at them individually, right spots. If you're if you're an spots. optimist and you can sure. find the few drops of water in the mostly empty glass. Oh, if I am anything, I am ever the optimist, Sir Ian Dangerous. <laughs> you know this by now. But uh, yeah, this was um, you know. There's becoming this trend of sorts of these sub pay per views that every now and then one or one surprises us, but we've almost come to expect that they're just going to be meh. Well, we anticipate usually that the, the B or C level pay per views are, are not going to be good, and we're always surprised and pleasantly so when they are. This, I mean, backlash. We could we could sit here and list all the reasons why backlash was coming out of the gate limping. To begin with, whether or not it was the immediate proximity to WrestleMania, the forcing of the Greatest Royal Rumble into the middle of the build for Backlash, and then having just one week to really build for Backlash, and only having a couple of matches with any real story involved. Uh, but there, I mean, there's a lot of reasons we could say that this is now it's their first co-branded pay-per-view, and they didn't really have any reason for it to be cross-brand because they're still having fallout from the Superstar Shakeup. There was a lot of things that that definitely uh, had hamstrung this pay-per-view even before it began. But uh, unfortunately, mm, yeah, even it, it couldn't get out the gate no matter what. At least Jinder Mahal didn't walk away with the WWE Championship again. That's all I'll say. Well, it, yes. We, we had nowhere to go from backlash to backlash year over year, That's true. but up. We didn't so. have Shinsuke Nakamura versus Dolph Ziggler again. Oh. But uh, no, we, we found even uh, even more things that were, uh, uh, were, were bad this year. So. Yeah. Uh, again, there were some, there were some bright spots and we will have to spend this show finding them and we'll have to talk about where we go from here. And hopefully there's some, there's some good things, but I, I definitely despair about some angles. I'm, I'm going to throw that out there right now. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, let's you know, let's get right into this. Talk about the, the pre-show first, then we're going to talk about the main show. And at the end, we have some some listener comments that we want to discuss. Uh, if you do want to get in with the show and uh, get some comments or some questions that you want us to address and or answer, head on over to our Facebook discussion group, Busted Wide Open on on, on Facebook. Uh, and uh, and see us there, and, pre- and you know, add yourself to the discussion. Yeah, bring, c- come and join the group. We'll definitely get you in there. There's lots of memes and fun talk and chat, and we post polls and all kinds of fun stuff all the time, as well as these episodes and any other content we produce for YouTube, which we have a YouTube channel now. That's right. Head and over to YouTube, and you can subscribe to us there, and uh, there may be some hints as to where we're going to be taking this show buried in some of these uh actions that we're doing by starting these things up we're gonna have a we're gonna have our our annual show our 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 first anniversary show coming up very soon and on that show we will be discussing a lot of the things that we are going to start doing in phase two of the busted wide open podcast phase two the second year of busted wide open and there's a lot of exciting stuff coming down the pike for this show that we have been setting up for everyone out there so i'm i am excited to talk about that we obviously the plans are still you know p- p- plans plans may change yes uh, as Meltzer would say Subject so to change hashtag uh, disclaimer yeah so we we will t- discuss that in about a week or so on our, on our and we'll be we'll be have, we'll have been doing this Things for a are year be in flux over the course of the next month so bear with us uh, follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast come subscribe to the new YouTube channel you can find us just by searching for Busted Wide Open on YouTube and uh, Patreon we've got that going we'll talk about that at the end of the show but. Let's get right into it, Ian. Um, let's talk about the pre-show because some some interesting things continued went down, but not didn't really go anywhere. Well, we had we had the capping off of one storyline and the really just kind of circling the drain of another storyline where the Miz Taraj finally officially broke up with Miz uh, and told him they don't want to be the second string guys anymore, and so yep. Miz was going out alone. He wanted to get the band back together because it was a co-branded pay-per-view, and Mr. Rogers was basically like, no, we're good. We're going to go back to being enhancement talent um, <laughs> without having a main event guy on right. our side, which, you know, great business decision, guys. Yeah, good, good times. Uh, we also had Bailey and Sasha have a little confrontation backstage. Uh, very, like, high school girl, like, you didn't call me. You didn't answer my text messages, so, like, I don't want to be your friend, and, like, you left me out there for the Riot Squad to beat up, so mm, I'm not going to come help you tonight. And Bailey continues to just get... Buried, in my opinion. Yeah, she, uh, she, she lost is Rusev Day. She lost. You know, well, at least Rusev Day got some. At shine. least Rusev was over. Yeah, uh, but I don't. I don't know if there's any hope left for Bailey at this point. I'm, I'm almost cashing out on Bailey. The unfortunate thing is, kind of the last hope for her was a really good feud with Sasha Banks, and yeah. so far, and again, I don't want to. I don't want to say it before it's really gotten going, but I'm nervous about it right now because so far it feels to me like they're bungling this feud. Uh, it's getting to the point now where they're having plot points or, or continuations of it where they're saying, oh, by the way, don't forget, Bailey and Sasha, no, they don't like each other too much. These ladies had physicality, like a, a beatdown before WrestleMania against each other. I do with, Elimination Chamber with we, uh, them kicking each other off the chamber. The sure, the but I mean, like, they literally had a beatdown on each other in the backstage, I think, a week or two after that. Yeah. And then just, oh, no, it's on hold. It's still on hold. And Bailey's coming out and getting beaten by Ruby Riot uh, with the Riot Squad interfering on the pre-show. And... This is just the same holding pattern we've had for a few months now with this feud. It needs to go somewhere, and it needs to do it now. And luckily, the only thing I can think is that they were waiting to get through Backlash to light the fire on this because now we have a lot of other pieces set up on Monday 
in the women's division, and these two can go and they can build a feud. It, I don't believe it's too late, but it's almost too late. It is. It's it's, it's like, like I'm going to compare it to the the broken gimmick. It's almost too late to, for this to mean anything anymore. Yeah, and, and I'm scared of that. That plane got real close to crashing, yep. and I I can't officially say that they've pulled up out of the dive yet on the the broken gimmick. But that that definitely got held on for too long for reasons outside of their control. If this crashes, if the Bailey Sasha it's feud all on the fault. main roster, it is all their fault. Totally. It is all their fault, and I'm I am very nervous. That being said, we have to go talk about the main show now. So we're on the main show and to open the night in what was the match of the night and of and a solid match on any pay per view, the Miz versus Seth Rollins for the Intercontinental Title. You know, I, I want to ask the question because is is the Miz an underrated wrestler? Because I constantly think about um, this when it comes to the Miz. He's great on the mic. He has great presence, but he's always been kind of looked at as not that good of a ring worker. I think he, I, and I always questioned that. I'll openly admit that I was one of those. This match showed me that he absolutely is. And it, it kind of sold me and pushed me over that little hump that I needed to get over. I mean, part of it is the fact that Seth Rollins is on a tear right now. Yeah, that guy, is. that guy, just cannot work a bad match these days. He is he is firing on all cylinders, no matter what he's doing. He's he's putting out great matches Welcome and great back. spots. Yeah, big time. <laughs> um, he's he's super over. People are loving him right now because his work rate is so good, and he's going out there and killing it every night. And so part of that is Seth elevating Miz, I think, here, because mm-hmm. Miz does not exactly have a deep, uh, a, a deep move set. You know what I mean? He's got sure. his moves that work, but uh, he, what, he, what Miz has gotten good at is telling a story. And if you put him with someone in there like Seth Rollins, he can absolutely tell the story that you want. Look at him and Dolph Ziggler. You know what I mean? They, the two of them, when they put together a good story, you're not going to see a technical masterpiece, but what you're going to see is a really well-told match, and it's going to get you excited. And that's what happened here with multiple false finishes, and you had uh, uh, Seth busting his knee on the ring post. You had him wriggling out of a whole bunch of skull-crushing finales. You had him take two skull-crushing finales. Uh, eventually, Miz, you know, the, his knee gave out, which was, again, great continuity and storytelling in this match. His knee gives out. Miz gets him in a skull-crushing finale. Seth kicks out. He kicks out of the second one, which I thought I thought Miz had him on that one. On well, the there was a one. whole sequence as well of figure fours and rolling them and reversing them back and forth. Miz going, I immediately going after the, the leg. And I like the fact that they've made it so that Miz... And this has been con, the, this has been how it has been for a while with Miz, where he's always trying to get out of matches. He's a coward. Uh, and for the most part, once you put him in a match, he can actually toe-to-toe most guys. Yeah. He'll lose at the end, but he can go toe-to-toe. He can, he's a very wily guy, and he can, uh, he'll attack. You know, If you injure your, your leg, he'll attack your leg right away. They've done a good job as, as building him as being somewhat legitimate. Uh, but, but in this match, I was questioning having his finishing move get kicked out of twice. It does really weaken that move, which for a while there was putting away some big guys. So I, I I question having them legit kick out of the move twice. I thought maybe like a ring a rope break would be a good for one of them. I'm nitpicking here because it was a really good match. Yeah, uh, Seth ends up catching a, uh, a the the stomp on him, 
and he goes down one, two, three, just on one stomp. Which was interesting part of the story of the match with his bad knee after hitting the ring post. He couldn't really land the stomp or he couldn't get up in the air or whatever. I love that whole. Yeah. That, that's what made the story of the match is what made this match this so match good. Was, and it was. It was a very exciting match. It was timed well. Both guys did their part perfectly. Yeah. Seth picks up the win. Uh, and that was the last really good thing on the show. Off the back of what you were just saying about Miz and, and that the one little nitpick question I still have for him is a, for about the last mm, I, it's been a long time many years we've known Miz always having a sidekick I don't remember the last time that he had a long run as a singles competitor without somebody Miz Dow Maurice the Miz Taraj over the past year or so so at a certain point I'm anxious to, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt but I still have that one little thing in my head is like can he work on his own as a singles competitor without su- without being that chicken shit heel that has somebody interfering. Yeah, it has right? a goon. Has a goon. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great way and to put it. Yeah. And it will be interesting because my obviously my favorite run there was him and Maurice. I yeah. thought the two of them were I can't wait for her to dynam- get well, she's And I'm wondering be- if that is part of excusing the Miztourage to eventually get her back in later this eventually, year. Eventually, but you know, she's still busy being mommy and yeah. she's going to be for a while because yeah. the kid, she just had a kid, dude. Yeah. It's going to be a minute. Been a month. Uh, but that being said, yeah, like I'd love to see the Miz on his own. That being said, if they find another goon for him on SmackDown, I wouldn't be mad at that. He, yeah. he elevates every goon he's with. You know what I mean? I mean, look what he did to Sandow. Yeah. So, and look what Sandow's done since. Nothing. Just saying. Uh, that being said, that was the exciting match of the show. The next match, the audience was pretty dead for, probably because they were just so worked from that first match, and we're not excited about the second match. That being said, uh, that is not the talking point of the second match. The second match was Nia Jax versus Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship, and I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to step aside here. I'm, I'm, I'm cracking my knuckles. I know I'm you're getting, getting ready. ready here, so oh, I'm going I'm, I'm 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 to I'm I'm set this up for you, Nick. I'm going to set your table here. Because uh, Nick is about to go off, ladies and gentlemen. I can I can feel it. I can feel it from here because we had a fairly hard-hitting match where Alexa Bliss basically tried every way she could to take down Nia, but Nia just ended up overpowering her because she's Nia frickin' Jax. One way to put it. Uh, you know, Alexa hit a lot of like strong kicks. There, was, She, she uh, made her... She, what, she dropped her head into the ring, steps outside, yep. and all kinds of stuff. Ultimately, Nia catches her in a Samoan drop. Boom, one, two, three, end of match. But here's the talking point. Is that uh, well, There's two talking points, really, there's, but there's one we have to get to first. We're going to talk about the speech that Nia gave after the match in a second. But first, we have to give the floor to Nick here because Nick, for months and months and months now, has been telling us that Nia Jax is an unsafe worker. And it appeared to have come true in this match because Alexa injured her shoulder. WWE reported after this match that Alexa Bliss had injured her shoulder in this match, uh, probably on the Samoan drop, although it wasn't exactly apparent where. But uh, as of the the finish of this match, it seemed like Nia Nia Jax had injured Alexa Bliss. And with that, Nick, I give the floor to you. Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair... Now, Alexa Bliss. Uh, the Beals, these throws, these where she's whipping around like rag she's ragdolling these other, you know, 120, 130 pound superstars that just cannot be in that. It that's what's unsafe about it. Samoan drops I'm fine with. The one that she did off the top ropes at WrestleMania, arguably questionable the way that Alexa came down, but I more put that on Alexa than Nia Jax, to be fair. But where Nia is unsafe is the ragdolling that she does in her beels. And she did one thing where she grabbed one foot and one arm and just slung her, spun her around and slung her and just whipped her around. 
I have never seen that before in a wrestling match. And it's like what a, a pit bull would do to a kid if they just got a hold of him and started whipping him around, right? That's, it's, there's no call for that. There's no, it's unnecessary. That is why she's getting hurt. She's hurting people. She's throwing these girls around that can't recover. How are you going to land in midair when you're upside down the right way if you don't get thrown properly? Are you talking about the one from the top rope where she grabbed her arms and whipped her on the ground from the top rope? Uh, I don't know. No, it wasn't that one. It was the one where she grabbed one one leg and one arm. That was a horizontal and, swing. And spun her around and just threw her uh, you know, across the ring into the ropes. It, you, it's very hard to land from that. It's very hard to be to do that safely. Beals, if done great, look great. And if they're sold great, they're fine. But I just I think she's either doesn't understand her own strength and is overdoing it because the the girls are landing very poorly and we've seen several instances of this now. Uh, the question that really comes up here is how injured was she injured before? Uh, is this an aggravation of a previous injury? I don't really know. But the bottom line for me is I feel justified in saying that finally this is coming to light. It's being tossed back and forth about whether it's real or not. That's fine. But I, I, I still hold my position that I don't like Nia working with the... Look at the difference between Braun Strowman and some of these smaller jobbers that he's power slamming. There is extreme care put into cradling the neck, all of this stuff, into the big moves where he's this 400-pound man is crushing these little 180-pound dudes. That care is not being given to the women competitors that are facing Nia Jax. That's my big concern. And here it is, the fourth woman, I believe, in a year that she is, quote-unquote, responsible for injuring. End rant. Okay, well then, uh, allow me to retort. Because it, there's there's a number of things I wanted to address about what you just said. For for one thing, the, quote-unquote, injuries that she has caused, none of them have been have taken people out for more than, let's say, like with Bailey, I think was the worst one with a shoulder injury where frankly Bailey came down weird and she was out for maybe a month or so. It wasn't that long. Um, I'm not really sure what exact injuries you're referring to with the other ones. Uh, there were, you know, whether they're botches or not. The other thing is, is that you can't really tell from where we're sitting on the couch. If what her moves are doing are actually unsafe, that's up to the wrestlers that's in the ring. And if she was actually working unsafe, they would tell her to stop using those moves. If they were saying, nah, I'm not don't really feel safe with those moves or someone in the back. So that's not really a safe way of doing that move. It would be addressed because that's that's millions of dollars of WWE's responsibility that they have there to do. Another point is, as far as being a quote-unquote unsafe worker, you've been ragging on Nia for pretty much the length of this show, mm -hmm. the, the entire time we've been doing this show. Would you consider yourself a fan of Seth Rollins? Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe, yes. Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe, who ended Tyson Kidd's career with a botched muscle buster. Sure. Ended his career. Nia hasn't even come close to that. His first night on the main roster, he busted Seth's leg, had him out for a few months, and also almost made him miss WrestleMania. But you're a Samoa Joe fan. You never sure. talk about how unsafe he is. But with, with uh, Seth Rollins, he broke John Cena's nose. He uh, tore Finn, uh, Finn Balor's labrum, throwing him against the barricade. He ended Sting's career with a buckle bomb. We don't talk about Seth Rollins being unsafe. We just talk about him being a great worker. So where's the disparity here? Nia barely injures a couple of people, and you think she's an unsafe worker because she's ragdolling people, much the same way that Braun Strowman does. I remember a match against Jobbers that he had. It was a three-on-one match right when he came to, I believe it was Raw. It was shortly after his first match with Ellsworth, and he, some of the tosses he gave to those, those guys did not look safe to me. 
But again, it's not my place to determine what is, quote, safe and what is not. That's up to them because I'm not in the ring. So at a certain point, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the wrestlers that are in that ring. And finally, when you're talking about this, you know, you can't believe that she was injured. You're not sure if it was an injury from before or from after. Uh, I, I still say this is a work. Now, we're recording this on Tuesday. We wanted to record this earlier, but... Life. Extra shift, life, exactly. With work and whatnot. Here we are, Tuesday, talking about this. And the first thing that was texted out this morning was Nia Jax texting out that Alexa is perfectly fine. Now, WW.com said that Alexa had a shoulder injury, but didn't have any more details than that. That she sustained during the match with Nia Jax. Okay. And WW.com is a, not a reliable source. Understand that. Uh, they, also said that Braun, they also said Braun Strowman was going to be out for six months with an injury, and he was back in, what, three weeks? So uh, Nia texted out, and of course, you know, take it for what it's worth. Could be kayfabe as well. Alexa's perfectly fine. She couldn't beat me in the ring, so she blamed it on a fake injury. Trust me, she's perfectly fine. She's scheduled to be on tour, so you and all your troll friends can come worship your coward <laughs> goddess. Apparently, she heard what you were going to say, Nick. Uh, apparently, uh, she read my mind. She read your mind. <laughs> I did see that also Alexa Bliss kind of retweeted that and said, uh, with a, some emojis or something like that, shortly, a little bit ago. So... It's the funny- so this could be but well, the point is it could be a work it could be a pre-existing injury that they're making a work to have happened in the match to feed into the whole bullying thing that that Alexa is pulling against Nia right now. My point is is that to overreact and go my Alexa Bliss my Nia That's not Jax. what I'm doing. That, that, that's it but, it, but to over like every little every time that there's even a hint a whiff of Nia being unsafe, you pounce on it like a cat on cat. Of course I do, because every time she throws one of those girls in a beal across the ring, it's one of those, I just, I cringe. I go, oh, oh, is this going to be the time where she breaks Mickey James? Is this going to be the time where she breaks Bailey? Every time Seth throws the knee at somebody and it looks like crap, eh. I go, yeah, well, it, th- there but for the break of a nose, you know what I mean? Like, this is the thing. Is It's a dangerous uh, activity this professional wrestling and uh, to me Nia with her size it's all fake I she's uh, don't use the f word but, <laughs> but you know this is the thing that's her that is what she can do because she is that size if she's doing it in a way that is effective and and not unsafe then they're not going to stop her from doing it you know what I mean if she's doing it properly if what they consider in the back of the people that are in the ring with her She's doing it properly. They're not going to stop her from doing it. I'm fine with girl doing the Samoa drops. They look devastating, that, especially with someone as small as Alexa is, and she just looks that much monstrous doing them. It makes it that much more devastating, akin to Braun and the little guys. Yeah, I and I mean, it is, it is scary to watch her in a match with Alexa because of the size disparity and the fact that it is so easy for her to... I, you know, manhandle Alexa, but the, but the beals and the whipping around carelessly. But that, that looks that's great. Where I, I didn't cringe. feel careless to me. It felt uh, it felt like a wrestling move. Okay. And and overall, I thought this was in general a well worked match. Uh, that being from my perspective, I, you're giving me the look. But I, I, I liked Alexa being the buzzing bee, just kind of running around trying to sting her, and, and her just yeah. being and like she, did, she couldn't there was figure a, it out. That top rope move I was talking yeah. about, where Nia grabs her arms and and basically just flips her over her head onto the ground. In slow motion, you could tell how safely that move was done, but it looked devastating at full speed yeah. at the time. Yeah. So Nia took a bump to the outside that looked great. Uh, at the end of the day, though, as we as we predicted, let's let's move on from the 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 grouse session here. Yes, I got out uh, what I needed. You to got say. out what you need to get out. I got out my rebuttal. We we we'll we'll agree. We'll continue to agree to disagree. This Fair will be an, this will be an ongoing <laughs> thing. Is uh, you Nia bashing and me coming in here to 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 
I don't know, to defend. Tell me I'm wrong. That tell you, tell you you're wrong. <laughs> uh, but the, at the end of the match, Nia does pick up the victory uh, on a Samoan drop that may or may not have injured Alexa Bliss. Uh, but then afterwards, we got to talk about this other point, is that Nia gave, Nia gave the speech after this match that was the cringiest damn thing I've seen well since Saudi Arabia. But it was, it was still, uh, it, it, it was so scripted where she was saying, that's right, bullies can't hurt me because I'm special and all of you are special and all of you can be a star and all of you, you know, don't ever let people judge you for who you are. Basically, this this pep speech uh, that went from being about her to being about people in the audience who are different. No, 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 no. The whole thing was anti-bullying slogan yeah. campaign. They've latched onto this in fifth gear at this well, point. Well, the problem is, is I, I didn't mind it when it was... Not when it was not subtle, but it wasn't so on the nose. Yeah, this was so on the nose that it was just painful to watch. And then to immediately, once she was done giving this very rehearsed speech about how bullies will always get their butts kicked, uh, the announcers immediately come on and like, so uh, WWE has been giving uh, thousands of dollars to the anti-bullying campaign. Be a star, and that's right. We're so great here at WWE because we're not we're not about bullies. Even though we uh, we had uh, JBL on our announce team for years and years and years, even though half of our program is about talking smack to each other, yeah, you know? right? It's, <laughs> it's about it's about bullies, whatever. We're not going to get into the inherent hypocrisy here. It's 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 choose which well, side you want to be on. It's WWE. well documented. The the problem here is just the blatant propaganda and back padding that happens sometimes on WWE. That's just that's so grating and so uh, it's. It takes me out of the product every time. I'm almost numb to it at this point where I just kind of tune it out. I don't know any other way. You know, to... three out of four times, I'll be like, all right, fine, whatever. But then every once in a while, something like this will come along and I'll just go, oh, screw you. Yeah. <laughs> screw you. <laughs> Shut up. You're sitting You're sitting here telling me like, oh, yeah, Naya. Naya's, uh, Naya's the, uh, the picked on person when she's 270 pounds and can kick the absolute crap out exactly. of Exactly. All right. Oh, whatever. This, if this is the uh, the the way you want to tell the story, but the, the, again, it's not even the telling the story. I liked how they did it until they made it so damn obvious here, and they like you didn't need to go with the extra step. We get it. We get it. We're not dumb. I mean, maybe some people that watch that show are dumb. <laughs> I don't know. As George Carlin once said, think about the average person and how dumb they are, and then keep in mind that there's fifty percent of the population more dumb than them. All right. Maybe there's some people that don't get it unless you I'm on ahead with it. But this was just, I don't know. It was cringeworthy. It was painful to me. Yes, it was. Well, hey, next up, we had the uh, U.S. title match between Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton. And this had like almost no build for it other than the couple of weeks before where they would interrupt each other's... No heat. No, no, no real heat. heat at all. This is this was down there with the you got rated higher on the SmackDown top ten list than <laughs> I did in terms of who gives a crap heat. It's like okay, these guys are competitive. They one interrupted the other uh, in their entrance, and then the other one they did it back, and then that's where they're having a feud. And they kept saying, "Oh, they have respect for each other." It's a face versus face match essentially. And as you would expect, unless you give them a reason to like, if you make it about the competition between the two, there's no heat here. It's kind of like Nakamura styles at WrestleMania, which we just saw, which should have been this incredible match. But because they're both faces, there was no heat. And so no tension. And this was kind of the same way. It felt like a SmackDown live match. Like it just was it was not a big deal match. I got to go back to the Daniel Bryan run up to the championship to find any match involving Randy Orton that has any kind of heat, uh, to be completely honest with you. I have I can't remember the last time I cared about a match that involved Randy Orton. 
and in a way, it's the only reason I did back then was because it was he was one of the obstacles that Daniel Bryan had to get through to get to the championship at WrestleMania when Evolution came back, right? So that was I I I have all but completely lost interest in Randy Orton at this point. His whole thing with Jinder last year was boring as hell. I liked I liked the part where Jinder uh, went after his family. That was good with the Cowboy Bob Orton in the audience. Okay, I'll it, give had, you that it had moments. It had moments. That was more of the nostalgia effect of Cowboy Bob Orton being in the audience with his big old hat on and everything, and and just yeah, that and that was more Jinder than Randy. But the, but but also Randy's reactions to that, like his legit heat, like that was the best part of that whole entire Jinder run, right there in in, a, okay. in an episode. Anyway, I'm nitpicking. <laughs> uh, Jeff ends up retaining. Uh, this really, I don't know where it goes from here. I, do I care? Not yet. Not really. I, no, I this is know. this is the definition of a middle of the card match. Yeah. There was there was nothing to it really. Jeff retains and whoop de doo. I think this is the first one where our pickums there was a differential because up yeah. until now we were both on the same page. This is one where you picked Randy to pick it up. I flipped a quarter. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. This was a coin flip <laughs> match, and I went for Jeff. Uh, so I got the now I'm ahead by one in yes. our pickums, but uh, that's about the only interesting thing about this match. Uh, the next segment was I can think of no other word for it than bizarre. I we might differ on this. I really enjoyed this. Really? I had a lot of fun with this. Okay, so because in a way I checked out and I just went with it. Okay, so Elias comes out to give another one of his quote unquote concerts. Yes. Right, he references Bruce Springsteen and runs down the New Jersey crowd. Yes, brilliant, great, great typical Elias, brilliant stuff. Yeah. This is when it starts getting weird because he keeps getting interrupted. He gets interrupted multiple times. First, New Day comes out and uh, with like a like a big drum on the Big E and bass the, drum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they interrupt him and say they want to play a concert with him. And he's like, no, I'm just going to go do my own thing. Gets interrupted again by Rusev Day and Aiden English singing the Rusev Day song. No idea why Rusev Day came out. They just did. They were like, I guess we're going to come out now. And then uh, all of a sudden you had uh, No Way Jose come out with his conga line and interrupt Elias again, and and it was just this bizarre amalgamation of personalities next to the ring with Elias in there going, "What the hell is going well, it's on?" It's all the different little various musical acts that yes. are that are part of that roster. Well, it's a quote unquote musical acts. Sure, like, I, 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 do agree. they sing? Yes. yes, bring them out. Is there a conga line? Bring them out. Yeah. And then uh, the finally the final thing, and this is the only thing that had any to me any relevance was that uh, he goes, "Well, I'm going to do my concert again," and right as he goes to strum it. Glorious! And Bobby Roode appears in the ring, DDTs him, jumps out, and everyone conga lines to the back, except for Rusev Day, who are like, no, no, we don't do that. We're not, we're not conga. That, I'm glad you said that. That was my favorite part of the entire thing was Aiden actually started to do the conga thing, and Rusev was like, Mm-mm, no, no, what are no, you doing? No, what are you doing? No, no. <laughs> what, uh, which might be going into the Aiden, Aiden is undermining Rusev Day angle that they're kind of starting to do or there, which, no, please don't break I was hoping it, that wasn't going to be the Rusev moment. Day. No, don't break don't up do Rusev it. Day yet. It's too no. soon. No, they, come on. Yeah, they haven't finished burying them yet. Uh, but, Otherwise, this is just to build heat for uh, uh, Bobby Roode uh, and Bobby Elias. Roode, the whole thing was a Bobby Roode Elias heat builder, and it was supposed to be fun and goofy, but it, it I mean, Fandango came out in the conga line, yeah. and... I was like, what the hell is going on? Titus it's, Worldwide came Titus out with Worldwide No Way Jose. Was, yeah. Foreshadowing. No, that's what I mean. But it's the end it, of his career early. I'm sorry. I, Never mind. Well, I would love to see No Way Jose <laughs> become a top part of Titus Worldwide. That's just me. Just give okay. them something. Give yeah. them something. But this was absolutely... And, and No Way Jose is basically Adam Rose part two. Like they're, He's already dead. He's already dead. I'm yeah, sorry. They, they already are using him in the exact same way. It's over. It's toast. But this was this was absolutely... Uh, to me, it, it, I, it, I was just staring at my TV like, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> what is good? Just, they, they, just go with it. All of these guys, they, they had no idea how to get these guys on this pay-per-view. So they're just like, well, we'll write you a check. Just show up for this one bit. Yep. That's all it was. 
That's all. That's all I could figure out. This is was, yeah, bizarre. Bizarro land, Michael Cole. Uh, so where does this go? Are we gonna get another? Are we gonna get a long-standing feud off of these two with Bobby Roode and I, Elias? Yeah, I, I. All musical acts aside, I, this was this was a placeholder. I, let's move on. Daniel okay. Bryan versus Big sure. Cass. Uh, another match I wasn't terribly excited about. They had very little time to build for this, although they did base the end of the Greatest Royal Rumble on this match to try to bring some heat to it. I will say this. Cass has some heat from the crowd. Yeah, he does. They genuinely don't like him. And you know what? It's borderline Roman Reigns level of hatred but, or vitriol. Except he's supposed to be getting it. He's yes, a heel. Exactly. Which is which is if you're a heel, this is good. And this was a fairly short match, and it was basically Cass dominating early, and then Daniel Bryan picking up a submission victory fairly easy, fairly easily over Big Cass. Which was, this was my concern coming into this match was is this match going to be Daniel Bryan you know, coming in looking great, or is this going to be Cass getting heat by beating down Daniel Bryan? And either way, I could see positives and negatives to it. And the way that they did it, I thought, ultimately was the most elegant way of doing yeah, it. me too. Which was, you know, fairly quick match. Daniel Bryan submits him because he's just the better wrestler. But then after the match, Cass beats the crap out of Daniel Bryan, stands tall, uh, mugs to the crowd who boo the crap out of him. Daniel Bryan gets taken off injured. Great. Cool. So this this will now continue. The feud will continue, but it has even more pepper on it. It's got some more heat on it. And I think that's what I said in our preview from last week was uh, Daniel Bryan is going to go over here because Cass is going to beat the shit out of him the whole time, sneak in a victory, and this is just going to embroil the feud even more. Yeah, uh, I thought the, this might be done here, and I picked... No, I, picked, I think we're going... This might all go all the way to SummerSlam. This might be his first, Daniel Bryan's first big singles feud. Yeah, uh, well, back. if Cass can keep getting heat like this, and, and it's, it's, perfect, it's a perfect underdog story for Daniel Bryan, which is right in his wheelhouse. You know, honestly, I think people right now are really down on Cass, and so far, I keep waiting to get disappointed by him, and he hasn't really yet. Like, he hasn't pissed me off yet. Like, it's so far... There's some green there, but it's, it's yeah, workable. Yeah, but it's... But it's it's manageable. Coachable, yeah. It's coachable. It's manageable. I think that so far, this is going pretty well, even though this match is ultimately going to be pretty forgettable. Well, I pulled back because I picked Daniel Bryan, so we are back to a tie now uh, after uh, the U.S. title match. So neck and neck as we go into the next few ones, which were uh, Charlotte facing off against Carmella in the SmackDown Live Women's Championship match. Oh, that was match. my time to go on a rant. Yeah, oh boy. Okay, so <laughs> um, here's a question for you, just to kind of set the stage. Is... Is it damaging to have Carmella win more or less clean? What, damaging to have Carmella win more? Yes. I think it's damaging the way they did it here, which okay. was you know fairly standard match, nothing too out of the ordinary. Frankly, I thought Carmella looked pretty good. She had a little too many rest holds, I think, early in the, in the match. Uh, kind of killed a little bit of the momentum, but I like how Carmella just shrieks all the time in rest holds. Uh, and that's her character, just grating. I think she might be taking notes from Stephanie McMahon or Naito Girl or Naito Girl. <laughs> she, she. I was she sitting might, here going, maybe Carmella has been Naito be. Girl all along. Oh. That's where she's been for the last year. Uh, we might have made that joke in the last show, but I don't care. It's still funny. Yeah, it's still funny. Um, but no, this is this was a fairly standard match. Nothing really stood out. What was bizarre for me was the finish, and that's going to be a theme of this show. Is the hell's up with that finish? <laughs> okay. Uh, this you match, talking about the matchbook cover? Uh, what? The Carmella rolled, put her up in a matchbook cover and got the three count. Yeah, Ooh. after after Charlotte did a moonsault off the top rope, banged up her leg, which she seems to do one out of every two times she does it in kayfabe, uh, and Carmella kicks her in the leg, takes her legs out, and for some reason, Charlotte can't kick out 
when her leg is busted. <laughs> I don't know. This is the woman who just ended Oscar's streak. And she gets pinned clean in the ring because someone kicks her in the leg after she jacks her leg doing a dumb move that wasn't gonna that doesn't hit half the time anyway. That's the story you're gonna tell me here. I agree. That's no, that's ridiculous. That is stupid, stupid booking. It is stupid. It makes Oscar look bad. It makes Charlotte look bad. It doesn't make Carmella look any better. It makes her look opportunistic, but doesn't make her uh, great. Okay, she's opportunistic. We knew that when she cashed in the Money in the Bank briefcase. This doesn't do anything good for anybody. This was dumb, dumb, dumb. I'm happy with the outcome that Carmella did win, and I believe we both called that. I agree that having a clean win over Charlotte like this, who has been so dominant for so long, was the wrong way to do it. There's clean wins and there's clean wins. You know what I mean? Like you could you could argue, okay, yes, yeah, it was not entirely clean, but it was. She she used wrestling moves. She took advantage of a situation and won one, two, three in the middle of the ring. No feet on the ropes. No dirty tricks. No nothing. She won straight up, and that is mind-boggling to me. Like, we've had Charlotte get beaten clean before, fine. But to have Carmella, with how we've established Carmella's character, beat her this way, I, I can't even wrap my head around it. Yeah. Like, there's so many other ways that they could have had the ending to establish that Carmella is able to hold on to her championship by any means necessary, as opposed to this. Like, I'm not a fan of run-ins, but you could have had the Iconics come in, sure. and it would have been a better ending than this. 100% agree. You know I was I mean? actually waiting for them to show up. Have Carmella have a foreign object and KO Charlotte while the ref isn't looking. When was the last time you saw a good foreign object? Thumb in the eye, rake she's, the eye, something. She's supposed, right. What's, what's, her, what's her submission move? It's the code of silence. Yeah. She's got a little, like, mafia thing going on there. Where are the brass knucks? Get the brass knucks out here. Something. This was terrible. We're a PG show now. You can't have brass knuckles, but it's okay to hit people with chairs and throw them through tables. Right, of course. Right. Silly me. William <laughs> Regal has something to say about that. We absolutely should have brass knucks back. Anyway, yeah, I hated the I hated the finish of this match. Just I, I, I hated it way more than I hated the finish of the Oscar Charlotte match, which yeah, you know, I, I just question how long Oscar was in the hold, not the fact that Charlotte won. This I question the whole. I, I, again, I'm not. I don't question the Car- Carmella won. It's just how she did it was just stupid. Yeah, whoever booked it was made some mistakes there. All right, time to talk about the one that we were really looking forward to, which was the no disqualification match between AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura for the WWE Championship. And it was a damn good match. Oh, yes, it was. It was and, great. You know, I want to say at the beginning, before we really get into this, that um, I was watching about two-thirds of the way, probably 10, 12 minutes into this match. I'm going, wait, why did they even do this as a no DQ? They're working this as a straight-up clean match. And yeah, we wanted beautiful. It. We wanted it to be no DQ, and it ended up, the only reason it was no DQ is because there had to be some cock-knocking going on right. in this match at some point, and they wanted it to the match to continue and not have the cock-knock be the end of the match even though it was the end of the match which we'll get into but uh, but there was a chair at one point uh which through a unhappy accident ended up causing the match to be even better because uh basically the chair gets in the ring there's a little chair work Shinsuke goes for the Kinshasa AJ throws the chair at him as he's running at him and uh the chair ricochets off of Shinsuke's knee back into AJ's face and cuts him open on the cheek which for the rest of the match with AJ just with a little trickle of blood off his cheek, it made the rest of the match seem even more intense. Yeah. Like, it probably sucked for AJ, 
but at the same time for us it was it was fantastic this match for me was a lot of fun because of all of the dynamics of the things that the two different guys were doing with yeah. each other uh, just the bouncing back and forth and each one would get some offense in and each one then they had you'd had the fight forever in the middle where they were just well Shinsuke that hits. was at the very end that was close to the end when oh. they were just doing that new Japan forearm Beautiful. stuff in the middle and here was a match where you know okay let's consider Shinsuke a year ago when he first debuted right for the longest time, they were booking him as the standard WWE babyface, which is get beaten down for the first two-thirds of the match and have a comeback. That's not good for Shinsuke. That's no. not his wheelhouse. This is his wheelhouse, where he's the bad guy beating down the good guy for the first two-thirds of the match. And AJ is actually good at looking like he's getting beaten down for, and then having the comeback. He's good at that. Yeah. It actually plays into his wheelhouse because he looks good doing the comeback. Shinsuke looks good being a killer. And here he looked like an absolute murderer for the whole match. Like they, he, they were stiff. They were, and he looked like he was having so much fun picking apart AJ in the in the front of this match. It's it, the dynamic. I don't always like that kind of booking that when they do it because it happens too much and it's too predictable. Uh, you get used to the rhythm. But here, I thought it really worked because it's it's right in both of the like what these guys are good at. Yeah, they're perfectly placed. Yeah. You know, they're going into the right pegs. Yeah, so. and and this was more exciting than the WrestleMania match, also because there was more heat. You could feel that these guys were were going out there like, okay, we actually hate each other now. Let's fight like we hate each other, and it did bring that extra little element to the match that it needed. The only downside was the finish. Where they both they're, they're they're both beaten up. They've both hit each other in the nuts. I thought it was a great moment where Nakamura snuck in the low blow, and AJ's writhing around and sneaks in his own low blow, and they're both on the ground. I was, I, the crowd loved it too. They were on their feet because that was a great like AJ got one in finally. Yes, and even though this feud has kind of turned into the hey let's hit everybody in the balls show, it's still it's still working. It's becoming on the verge of comedy, and you're having two of the most talented guys in the world like. They're, you're reducing their feud to let's hit him in the nuts over and over and over again. Who's the New Japan guy that does all the... Toru Yanu. Toru Yanu. Yeah. The, the, I felt like there was a lot of... He's comedy. That's my yeah. point. Is like It's it's done for laughs. Like He hits people in the balls so much, it's just like, oh my God, of course, he does it again. It's kind of working, though, isn't it? With, with the WWE universe. getting to the point where they've got to move past it. It can be an okay. element of it, but it can't be the only thing in the feud. And the finish of this match was the two of them... Rochambeauing each other. Frankly, <laughs> it, like it, it was really well done in that the timing was great. It was surprising where they both run at each other. They like out of nowhere, they both run each other and kick each other in the nuts at the same time. It actually, it sounds worse than it actually was. If you didn't watch the show and you're getting the recap from us, it it did look better than it sounds. Yes. If you watched it, you know what we're talking about. The 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 downside of it was they both lay crumpled on the ground for the ten count, as you would. Well, they had just just gotten up on a 10 count after the previous time they'd cock knocked each other, but now they cock knock each other again and they're down for the 10 and the audience, the the whole, you feel the air come out of the room. Just, ah, sir, really? That's your finish? Like it was a, it was a great match that bam, suddenly the balloon got popped by the pin. And I, I, I don't know how better you could have gotten out of this match, but there had to have been a better way that didn't just you know, just bleh. Yep. And obviously the feud will continue. This is not a definitive finish. There's more to come. I I really do feel like it, it's going, it's hampering their next match now because everyone's going to be worried about this kind of finish. Like we need to have some conclusive finishes at some point here, whether, but how, you know, how do you escalate from a no DQ match? 
So well, it begs the question, um, and it was actually we're going to answer this in our questions later. One of our listeners brought up the question of, doesn't it? Wouldn't this be a no DQ match if the uh, if the ten count didn't? Or I have it backwards. Does the ten count apply if you don't answer the referee's call in a no DQ situation? So we'll get to that. That's good. We're gonna, we're going to talk about uh, the fan questions at the end of the show. So yeah. stay tuned. We'll come back to that question. In the meantime, we have to go over and talk about Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Why? Why do we have to talk about it? Uh, because there was a rel- there was a little bit of a relevant story thing here where okay. Kevin and Owens and Sami Zayn were not on the same page at the end of this match, started bickering, and uh, ended up betraying each other. Kevin Owens ended up, ended up getting murdered by both Lashley and Strowman. That was literally the only point of this match, was to, two to monsters. To break up Kevin and Sami? Uh, here, yeah, here to we go again. again. Didn't we yeah. just kind of see this, and then they got <laughs> back together for the match at WrestleMania? I... They're the I don't worst know what, couple ever. I don't know what the hell they're doing with them at this point. Obviously, I am never mad at seeing Kevin and Sammy fight, but the way that they've just turned them down, uh, they've fallen so far in terms of kayfabe prestige that yep. I'm I'm really nervous. But I mean, Kevin Owens used to be a a bona fide main eventer, and they have dialed him down to the mid card uh, as far like in terms of prestige and how he feels when he comes out. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if that's Sammy dragging him down, which I don't want to think about, or if it's just how they've booked him and the two of them for the last six months. Uh, no, it felt... I mean, you could go all the way back to the stuff with Jericho. He wasn't really in the main title picture other than was, the U.S. With Jericho, he was the champ. He was a universal champion. I didn't... Okay, so I was talking about the U.S. championship where he had that back and forth, and Jericho went back and forth with those guys, right? So it has felt like he has been taken back down to, like you said, the mid-card, but there's been this kind of comedy sidekick angle going on for two years now at least with with him and Jericho and now him and Zayn I see what you're saying it's it's where do we get Kevin Owens the monster that showed up on Monday Night Raw with the NXT Championship and beat John Cena well where's the balance because he's also one of the funniest guys and the best guys in the mic in the WWE and if you put him with a funny sidekick he's going to give you gold but the problem is it takes away from that that killer persona so which Kevin Owens do you want I want the killer or can you somehow get the killer with still having him get some of those zinger lines I want apron power bombs and and murdering dudes and he still comes out with that kind of presence where, where Sammy will be bouncing around the stage like an idiot and Kevin will just be walking out like the silent killer for some reason, they're not driving. They're not steering the boat into that. They're just letting it happen and not taking advantage of yeah. that. Um, all I know is that this was a, this was just their opportunity to get their get Braun and Lashley on the show because they didn't have anything else for them because they didn't have anything, anything else planned for them. Because yeah. uh, like La- we were like we were saying, this backlash had no real planning coming into it. How about Lashley holding Kevin Owens up for twenty seven seconds in that? He didn't uh, hold him up that long. I know, I'm exaggerating, it, but it was. I mean, it's Lashley. Yeah. It's kind of all he has. I, I know. Unfortunately, he's. Oh, I like him. Gotta, I just want him to. I want more. They got to. They got to do something with him because right now he is stale bread to me. Yeah. Uh, and I'm Even so with sad. Braun Strowman can't save it. No. What? I mean, come on. You had Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in the piss break match between the WWE Championship and the main event of the night, which we, I guess, have to talk about now. The main event uh, with all of the cards on the table, huge build and uh, lots of things at stake. Oh, wait, that's right. None of that's true. It's just Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe for some freaking reason. Wait, closing out of the pay-per-view with no title, no stakes. Yep, no involved. title, no stakes, no nothing. It's just Roman's honor. Because he, you know, he's lost two matches to Brock Lesnar now, and he wants to prove that he still got it. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a lot that we... There's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> I don't want to unpack this, Nick. This is the Christmas present where I know someone's given me a turd, and I don't want to open the package because it's just going to stink up the whole room. But 
I suppose we do have to open it. All right. Go ahead. Tell uh, me, what did you think about this match? Well, I'm going to, uh, because I've been through extreme amounts of management training, I'm going to start with the good. Okay. Ouch. So <laughs> this is what you start with here is one of the things that I've identified specifically in this pay-per-view is certain superstars have each other's numbers. So for the better part of a year now, I've been saying I've been waiting for the Samoan feud, what I've dubbed the Samoan feud. Well, what Paul between, Heyman dubbed the Samoan feud. You, you basically bought in what Paul Heyman was selling with that they have Samoan beef, right? Sure. So I, I've been referring to it as the Samoan feud yeah. ever since. Okay. But Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe, I, I think they have a good match, especially off the back of what we saw with Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns last year. We got that next. Okay, that could be exciting. It, Joe got injured, unfortunately, whatever. Here we are. We finally get it back. And I'm going to be honest. As soon as this match started and Joe went in for the cheap shot and the, that whole sequence before the bell even rang, I was on my feet. I was excited. I was it was like, electric. Yes. Yeah, it was good. This is exactly the what this needs to Uranage be. Uranage through the announce Dirty, table. nasty, Samoan feud. Just, just doesn't matter. There's no stakes. Just ass whipping. Yeah. That's what this needed to be. Unfortunately... That just didn't go down that path. No, it went right into a whole ton of rest holds. Like, uh, for about 15 minutes. <laughs> and if you watched it live, you got to hear the audience chant, this is boring, Rusev Day, and... CM Punk was in there. CM Punk, and yep. beat the traffic. And you had, you had people... that one. You had people running, like, like a bunch of people walking out before the finish of this, uh, of this match. Wow, uh, and there's even a, there's a great uh, moment where Joe's down doing a rest hold, and the, this is boring. Chance start, and he looks out the crowd and goes, "What? What do you want from me, man?" Like he even gave a reaction face to it because it was so overwhelming. If you watched it live, if you go back and watch the WWE.com version, you you hear all the the times they turn the crowd down. Yeah, and actually that's something for this whole show. You can go back when Roman walks out. The amount of turndown on the crowd when he walks out, when that boo starts, and you can just hear it drop off. Not in the live version. They didn't catch it on that one. But on the WWE version, they are absolutely, they're, they're now officially manipulating the crowd noise. They Again, have been for two years now with him. It hasn't been this blatant since SmackDown Live was taped. Like This was, this was the most I've really been able to hear the crowd being affected yeah. uh, by their manipulation. Uh, by the sound manip- manipulation in, in the longest time. Like, I was just like, you got to be kidding me. They were turning down all the negative chance for this match. One thing they didn't do is is uh, change the cutaways. Like, when the match finished, um, and Roman, of course, won. With one well, spear. Lol, Roman wins. After almost going completely out cold in the Coquina Clutch. Yeah. Which, there was a moment. There was a glimmer of hope where I thought, holy shit, since there's no stakes on the yeah. line, can Roman take the loss here to boost Joe? They could have done that. Would have been lovely. Would have been lovely. And of course, the, 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 I was going to say, the cutaway after Roman wins was people just getting up out of their seats and leaving. Not cheering. They <laughs> cut away to people just running out, uh, of, this, out like of this arena. Well, at WrestleMania, people stuck around to boo. <laughs> at least for a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Here, they didn't even stick around to boo. They're like, oh, thank God that's over and left. Which is too bad because both of these guys, I thought, worked a fairly decent match yeah. with the crap booking that they were given. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I thought Joe had a lot of pepper on his stuff. His, his, you know, his stuff looked nice and snug and tight. Roman, I thought, had a good... Like, if I gave a crap about Roman, which I don't because I'm so bored with Roman Reigns. Uh, if, I did, if I gave a crap... I would have said, yes, he actually had a pretty good babyface fire fight back and, sure. and had some good moves and looked good. Like he look, we always say this. He's talented. Fine. 
it's just the way the absolutely obnoxious way that the commentary once again shoved down our throats the Roman Reigns story of you know he's beaten man he's beaten down he's got to get his back but Roman never gives up because he's Roman Reigns goal lol they were just slathering on Roman Reigns' balls on this one and it was as much as they put over that Joe is a killer it was only to service the fact that how brave Roman is to come back from this assault by this evil Samoan bastard Joe and overcome it which he did at the end with one freaking spear Boom. Done. I think this was a great look for Samoa Joe. I think he comes away from this looking aces to go heading into SmackDown Live to go after the WWE Championship. I think if he That's had the won, only thing. maybe. I don't, I don't know if it, if it entirely makes him look good, to be honest. I agree with that, but like I was saying at the beginning of this, it was certain superstars have each other's number, and that would have been an exclamation point on this had they put Joe over with a Coquina Clutch tap out. It would have just made him and that move look that much more devastating. Really, really sold it. And he could have gone on. Roman could have eaten the pin. Too many. Very easily. Absolutely. And just have the. Okay. So we're going to talk about this in a second. But I want to talk about what story they're telling with Roman right now. Okay. But real quick, Joe's got to go over to SmackDown and absolutely murder people with that clutch. Clutch. He's uh, because that has too many people have gotten out of that that clutch lately. Like he's got to go over there and murder some fools because otherwise. He's not going to be able to come out and talk tough like he has been and sound legitimate. It's going to be the Bray Wyatt thing all over again where he can talk a big game, but if you don't back it up, no one's going to believe you and it delegitimizes your character and we're going to stop caring. And I don't want to stop caring about Joe because I think he's fantastic, but they've got to let him win. And I can understand why they didn't let him win here because lol Roman Reigns, but you know he's got to go to SmackDown and win right away. But I want to ask you, okay, what story do you think they're telling right now with Roman Reigns? Because we all assumed, everyone assumed, everyone assumed that Roman Reigns was taking that belt off of Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. We were finally going to have this Band-Aid ripped off. And Roman Reigns is champ. Great. We can move the hell on. And it didn't happen. And it didn't happen at Greatest Royal Rumble. And now Brock Lesnar isn't booked for money in the bank. So it ain't going to happen by then. Until SummerSlam, allegedly. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, we got, we got three more months. So what story are they telling? Like, what are they telling us about Roman Reigns now? Uh, I don't know. We're just continually going to get this week after week of this coming out story. He's going to have non-title matches until he gets his hands on. Uh, maybe they put him in the U.S. title. No, because is that back on? No. I don't know where that is anymore. How do they get him into some kind of title match of some sort? I feel like they're trying to sell us just based on how they built into the WrestleMania match with, with Brock being Vince's boy and then putting Reigns right back in a match with him at, at, in Jeddah, Greatest Royal Rumble. And then now, you know, having him be like the underdog, the underdog in a match against Samoa Joe when he just took how many F5s from Brock Lesnar and supposedly actually beat him in Jeddah, but the refs didn't, you know, the right. refs were screwy, and Vince said, no, no, no Brock's going to win. Right? That's the story. They're trying to make Roman into Daniel Bryan. They're trying to make him the underdog who management doesn't like and have us get behind him because somehow we feel like he's getting a raw deal. And it's not going to freaking work. Nope. It's not working at all. If anything, it's actually rubbing people even more the wrong way because no one sees Roman Reigns as an underdog. It's the same thing they tried to sell us with Super Cena where they kept saying he's the underdog, he's the underdog. And we're like, he's never tapped out and he wins every match. In what world is this man the underdog? Roman Reigns beats everyone except Brock Lesnar. In what world is he the underdog to anybody? Especially when the only reason that you're telling us he doesn't beat Brock Lesnar is because the management has him in, has it in for him. That's not a compelling story. No. It works with someone like Daniel Bryan, 
who legitimately is an underdog. But Roman Reigns is the big dog, not the underdog. So it's not going to work. And he's 6'5", not 5'8". Well, that's what, that, you, you don't know? look at Roman Reigns and think underdog. No. It's not what he portrays. And you can't give us these Hulk Hogan-style matches where he gets beaten down, beaten down, beaten down, then hulks up and wins at the end because it doesn't look like the kind of guy that that's going to happen with. Like, again, this match against Joe, Joe looked like he had his number for most of the match. Then Roman comes out of nowhere, gives him one spear and wins. What that tells us is Roman has this arsenal that he can pull out at any time that will win him these matches. It doesn't tell us that he's overcoming the odds. It's telling us that Joe is a guy who got lucky for most of the match because he's just that vicious and willing to go that extra distance to put this big guy down for a while. I don't want to talk about Roman Reigns anymore. (laughs) I'm so tired of this shit. Would you say that you are so bored with Roman Reigns? Earlier in the show, yes, absolutely. Hashtag. Um, We talked about them burying or the the sink with Bailey and Sasha or the ship with Bailey and Sasha sinking that ship has sailed I think the Roman Reigns ship has sailed and the only people that want it is Vince McMahon anymore no, it's the, they, I would said that for years I, I cannot find anyone other than people that love his merch and the kids call them the Cena kids if you will that don't understand but I can't find anybody that enjoys a Roman Reigns match anymore. I, 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 I here's the thing is that you know, I obviously I can say I know people that that are casuals that hate Roman Reigns. I know kids that hate Roman Reigns. You know, whatever. We all can find instances of this. Obviously, enough people out there like him that he does get some cheers. There were some people cheering in the, in the stands when he won this. And the, at the end of the day, it's all to Vince. And we're we're going to be talking about this and rehashing this and in this loop about Roman Reigns until this our our long wrestling nightmare is finally ended, and someone just. Sits Vince down and goes, stop. Yeah, it's over. It's done. Let come it go. On, come on, Michael P.S. Hayes, step Let up. Let it go. Michael P.S. Hayes booked this match. I know he ain't he ain't helping. But between him and uh, who's He's got the th- ultimate yes man? Are you tell me P.S. Hayes gonna fucking fine, step in there? Fine, come fine, on. Fine. Uh, well, okay. We both picked Roman, obviously. Da 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 da. So what did we end up with? I so we were. Oh, even. We got to go over one more thing. Well, the, well the, here's the thing. At this point, the only ones we disagreed on was Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, which I took, and uh, Charlotte Carmella. Oh, uh, sorry, excuse me. Um, was Daniel Bryan and Big Cass, right. which you took? Yes. So we're even as yes. of the end of this because we agreed on everything else. But we did a prop bet. Correct. At the end of the show, we did a last prop week. bet, and I apparently, for some reason, woke up the day that we did the preview show for this. And got all idealist and thought that fairy tales exist and that WWE was somehow going to do the right thing and put AJ and Nakamura on last. I don't even know why in the world I would suddenly <laughs> think, hey, the, you know, the, the tiger's going to change its stripes and the Dalmatians all of a sudden going to not fight fires. But here we are. And you said that Roman and Joe goes on last. The match that had no stakes, no build, but it's just because it's Roman. And you were right. Because I logic and accountability, right? You, know? uh, well, you, you're, you were a pragmatist <laughs> that day, yes. and I was the hopeless optimist. And oh, I, well. I want to go back. I want to go back to last Thursday and kick myself in the ass. So I win by point five of a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. What a what a win, Nick! Yay! <laughs> you got Roman and Joe last. Way to go, buddy! Woo. So that is our wrap up of backlash. What are your final thoughts on this show overall? Where do we go from here? What's um, what's next now? So I was mentioning it a little bit earlier that I had this epiphany that so there are certain feuds and certain superstars that have the level of in ring chemistry where they just have each other's number. And I was really excited. I hadn't found anybody for AJ Styles up to this point until 
the past month or so with Nakamura. Really? Because I think AJ was good with a lot of people. Uh, well, uh, he's that was what got him he, over. Was sure being good he with works a lot of with well with a lot of people, but just not like I I saw AJ extra, on the ropes. Extra extra like like I saw step. him struggling okay. in that whether or not he was selling yeah, it. Of course he was, say, it but it like looked like K-Fan. Shinsuke Nakamura finally like somebody had his number. Because he just had him beaten down and out that whole match, had a way to get out of all that stuff. So I, there was, there's an interesting thing where what I saw out of that match, those two guys, and it, it, thankfully it finally got here. It took almost a year to get Shinsuke to this point, but finally we found the sweet spot with these two guys. The other side of this uh, match uh, was, I thought, Roman and Joe, were other than the rest holds that were just endless, but Joe being a submission specialist, I kind of I, I went with it. I enjoyed that match. For what it was. So what you're talking now is what you're talking about the chemistry that some wrestlers have with each other. Like some wrestlers just don't they just don't have any interesting like Randy Orton and Sheamus. I always thought had no chemistry, but they kept putting them in matches. Uh, whereas you know Sheamus and Cesaro had great chemistry when they had their 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 matches against sure. each other before they became a tag team. Miz and Seth is another great example of this. I I didn't. I don't know where they have chemistry. Oh or, my god, or Seth and Finn Balor who. Yeah. What? Dude, you can't you cannot argue with me that their matches the last few weeks, all going all the way back to the Universal title match, have been great. Every single one of the Seth Rollins Finn Balor matches have been great. Tell me I'm wrong. I'd have to go watch them again. Yep. I can go I can go I'm just not a Finn Balor. I know you you're are never gonna convince you me. Go to back be a to Finn the shows fan. where we talk about this and every one you go, yeah, it was a really good match. Because they're good. They have great chemistry. That's a pretty good impression of me, too, by the way. Thank you. I've been working on it. I need a bigger (laughs) beard, but then I'll get it 100%. But this is my point, is that you're talking about uh, people who have chemistry together. And sometimes you see bad matches with good chemistry. Like, like, we'll we'll call a spade a spade. Joe and Roman tonight was a bad match with good chemistry. Yes. That's a great way to put it. Is that kind of what you're saying? So if you want me to say a good Finn Balor match, Finn and AJ, when we got that one-off out of nowhere last fall, oh, that I was believe so good. that was great in-ring chemistry, and probably more AJ than Finn in that sense. Oh, but the two of them <laughs> working together, right? That works. For me, Finn and Seth are just whatever. Uh, like I said, I'm over Finn you're Balor out at of this your point. Mind. I'm done. Uh, but for some reason, I, again, I had those little nitpick doubts about Miz, but you put him in the ring with Seth Rollins, and all of a sudden, the chemistry between those two guys and the match they worked was just fantastic. Yeah, so and I, sometimes you can blame that on one guy elevating the other guy. Of course, like, I of think course. AJ's definitely definitely elevated some people he's had feuds with. Sure, um, but that's why AJ is so good is he can elevate people and Seth can elevate people. But uh, there's definitely. If I take I agree. one positive out of this pay per view, that's really what it was: is we got to see two, maybe three matches that had that level of entering chemistry between uh, two performers. Yeah. If now, if we could just have these performers in good matches with good chemistry, <laughs> yes. that would be lovely. So, uh, one more thing we want to touch on: we we do have some. We have a new aspect of the show we want to start working on, and this will be part of our plan for the new year. Yes. We're, we're going to get even more down uh, down this path as we go. But we want to start uh, taking some some listener comments and questions yes. on the show. And uh, to that point, I believe you have a couple that you want to bring up and we can discuss them real quick. Yeah, Gabriel from the uh, Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook uh, mentioned that Tyson Kidd was the one that booked the Seth and Miz match. And uh, I wanted to talk about that. Is, uh, is it not even the performer's fault anymore? Do we start looking behind the curtain at who's booking these matches that are so terrible that is be the reason and stop blaming the performers? But this is the thing. So this is a big debate right now yeah. is should we as audience members just be fans and take what they give us and say, was that a good match or not based on how entertained we were? And the, what I say to that is, do I go to a movie and just say it was a good movie or not? Do I go, well, 
I didn't like it this aspect, and that might been might have been because of the writing, which is this guy Akiva Goldsmith, let's say. Yep. And I, but I, but I love the direction by let's say Steven Spielberg, right? I'm going to talk about the people involved in the production of that movie because that is what gave me the final product. So when people say just sit back and be a fan and don't think about who put these matches together, I say that's part of what I watch it for is yeah. who put together this show, who's involved in every aspect, who's got their fingerprints on this match, not just the people in the ring working and doing the actual spots, but the people who told them what spots to do or discussed with them what spots to do, uh, who, who, you know, let, who's all involved in this. That's part of the creative process. And it's part of what I enjoy about any creative product is who was involved. What did they bring to it? What is their artistic uh, uh, addition to this? Well, before before the internet and IMDb and forums where we could all talk about this stuff, you would usually go to the bar with your buddies in the, you know, the early 90s or whatever and talk about what movie or what wrestling pay-per-view you watched, right? All, I mean, it was, it was the internet and the openness of all of this newly available information that we now have access to for all forms of entertainment, whether it's professional sports, whether it's professional wrestling, whether it's movies and entertainment, all of that stuff is now just so readily available that it becomes part of your judgment of a product that you that you're entertained by. Exactly. So it, it is it's status quo for today. There is no it, I can't just go watch Avengers and go that was a fantastic movie. No, I'm going to talk about the performances by the individual things. And the, I'm even curious about who did the, the movie. Like, who did the special effects? What did what? Yes. Which, which scenes did Weta do? Which scenes did Digital Domain do? Like, I want to know that to be able to judge their performance as a special effects. Group. And that's maybe just me being a nerd, but everyone's got their own level of involvement they want to get. You know what I mean? Like, there was the the WWE backlash card paper that they had in the in the uh, in the office in WWE was leaked this week. So I know that that uh, Arn Anderson produced the Jeff Hardy Randy Orton match. I know that Jamie Noble Jamie Noble and Dean Malenko did Daniel Bryan versus Big Cast. John Laurinaitis did Charlotte Flair versus Carmella. Well, that and explains a lot. Jamie Noble's uh, ouch. <laughs> Jamie Noble solo did AJ Styles Shinsuke. So I know who's involved in this. Now, do I know the level of involvement? No. Do I do I know that Michael Hayes did uh, Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe and I can take the booking of that match and put it against the booking of Seth Rollins and the Miz which was done by as you said Tyson Kidd? And say, okay, well, what did he bring to the table for this match? What did the performers bring to the table for this match? Obviously, there's still a lot we don't know. We don't know how much input Michael Hayes had. We don't know if he like how much of a producer brings to each match and how much the the agents and the performers bring their creative ideas. There's still a lot we don't know. Uh, but we can sit here and say, like, for instance, Road Dog is now the booker on SmackDown Live. Yeah. How much of his input is causing certain SmackDown Live booking decisions to be bad. He's just the figurehead out there, and a lot of people go after him on Twitter because we know that. I think that more transparency would actually help in the long term. WWE and a lot of their performers are like, just sit back and be fans. And I'm like, no, tell us who did this stuff because then it's going to be actually a lot easier for us to digest some of these matches and not you know be mad at Roman Reigns if we feel like this these 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 people are responsible for bad decisions made tonight 
it's gonna it actually might help certain aspects of the product. That's what I was gonna say is that there's fans and then there's super fans. And if you can cater to both, you're doing a good job, and that's always through transparency. Absolutely. And and you go from being a fan and just watching the show and then changing the channel when it's over to being a super fan to being involved in social media on all the forums, all the other stuff that's the auxiliary content. Those are your super fans. Steer into that with and, transparency. And look at how much people love to just digest tons of stats. Look at football where people can get down and I'm tell a you baseball guy. There are no more stats in any other sport <laughs> than baseball because there's nothing else to freaking do oh, with that sport well, nothing well, else to do but sit there and run stats between pitches That's what so i'm saying know. most boring sport in the world <laughs> no it's not it yes it's, it is ele- it is classical elegance oh my god okay uh so gabriel thank you for the question ballet is classical ele- elegance ba- 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 baseball is a time sport. to drink beer and eat hot dogs and not watch what's happening anyway compared ballet to baseball okay i did gabriel thank you for the for They're the uh, comment there we're interested in some of that the dynamics of who's going to be booking what and the out- ultimate out, how that leads to the outcomes of the matches as well. I've seen some better ballet performances in baseball. Okay, this is going to go on for a while. Uh, next up, we had uh, Derek like asked ballet. a question uh, regarding the no DQ, no DQ rules and how we still ended up in a 10, 10 count for to end the AJ and Nakamura match. If it was a no DQ match, how can you do that? I might go to see some ballet after this after this podcast. Actually, can we discuss what oh, the right, actual sorry. no disqualification <clears throat> rules are and should? It, in a no disqualification stipulation match, can you have a situation where both superstars don't answer the ten count? So there's nothing to say that you can't, and that's up to the referee to to, to determine that. I mean, it's, no DQ match is is the same thing as a no holds barred match. It means that you can do anything, uh, including weapons. Although technically, it it is a match that implies less weaponry than say a hardcore match. Right. Um. But it, because they don't really want to use the term hardcore in or WWE. Or a street fight. Or a street fight, you sure. assume there's going to be a lot more weapons. Yeah. Uh, WWE doesn't want to use hardcore these days, so no DQ is what it becomes. But it also tends to imply it's going to be a wrestling match. Uh, just you can use a lot of holds that are illegal. You can, like, it used to be you, know, you couldn't use closed fists. Okay, no DQ, you can use closed fists. Yep. Uh, you, can, you, know, you, can't, you can't break a submission move by grabbing the ropes, for right. example. But... In a situation where both guys are down, the match has to... I mean, it's not one of those things where we can just leave them down uh, until, you know, someone gets up. They, that's one thing that I think they should change about the last man standing match is the, the double count out. Like, last man standing should be first... In that situation, first guy to his feet. And then the other guy's down for 10, and that's the end of the match. But they've made it now. You can have two guys be out in that. Um, I, I personally think that as far as... Uh, as far as the no DQ, that this is actually well within the rules. It's just a bummer of a way to end it. Um, the one way to have changed it would, if it was like an I quit match or a sub, you know something or like that, or a last that. man standing, or a last man standing with a no double count out yeah. stipulation. You know, so uh, yeah, I I, I want to say that uh, that this is not the best ending for this match, but it's well within the rules and the guidelines of the style of match that. They could do it. I just think it's a dumb way of doing it. Obviously, the rules are whatever they say they 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 are. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and there's been matches where they just change them. Oh yeah, Brock's back hit first, so that whole foot thing. Who get the feet the feet down first? Yeah, yeah don't for, don't mind that. Forget it. <clears throat> don't worry about that. Never mind. Uh, yeah. So it's I don't know. I would love to see as far as AJ and Shinsuke going forward. I think that there are still lots of places that they can go. You know, we've had the no DQ. We can still have a cage match. We can still have hell in a cell. 
Uh, if we really want to, if you really want to go all the way out, we can I've, have. I've it. said before this is going to run all year, and I wouldn't be surprised we could if, we have, had, if it culminated in a Hell in a Cell match in October. I'd be fine with that too. Yeah. We could have an I Quit match. Yeah, an I Quit match right now after this one might actually be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a good point as well. So there, there are places they can go. It was a disappointing finish for this show, but they're trying to run a long program with these two. At least it seems that way. I hope so. The unfortunate thing is we've had three matches in a month, and that was way too fast to have those three matches. I agree. There should have been a longer build for each one. Now, hopefully we can get some breathing room before Money in the Bank and have another match at Money in the Bank that makes sense, that builds the feud, that has an added level of tension, We'll see what happens next. I agree. Well, guys, uh, thank you very much for the questions. Gabriel, Derek, if you have yours, be sure to head over to the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. Uh, we'll look for our posts. We'll put them up on uh, our episodes when we're going to record, which don't be sure. Don't miss this week's uh, weekly show on yes. Thursday. We'll be recapping all of the events of Monday Night Raw, SmackDown Live, NXT, 205 Live. And I'm going to talk wrestling Dontaku from New Japan because, oh my God, oh boy. it was awesome. If you need a palate cleanser after Backlash, go watch that because it was Awesome. I, I won't spoil anything here in case you do want to go watch it, but some big stuff happened. You've got till Thursday. <laughs> and if you're a fan of WWE, then it, it actually there's some stuff you might be interested in as well. Uh-huh. I'll, just, I'll throw that little nugget out there. And uh, your boy over here was a prophet. Some stuff happened and no one else, uh, no one else called. But uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty happy with myself. I feel very profit like. <laughs> well, hey guys, definitely uh, come join us in the Facebook group. Follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. And hey, if you like what we do, we would love your support. Head over to Patreon.com/slash BWO. Throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar or sign up to do your very own promo right here on the show with Ian and myself. If you want to rock some sweet swag to uh, let everybody know that we are your favorite wrestling show, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash store to pick up some sweet swag, uh, t-shirt, hoodie, phone case, coffee mug, stickers, all that good stuff. And make sure you go to your podcast app of choice. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button if there is one. Hit a... Hit a, f- a five-star button if there is one. Give us some comments, some feedback. Let us know what you like about the show, what you'd like to see us change, what we can improve on. We yeah. love getting good, constructive feedback. Hey, there's a new site out there. They're dubbing the IMDB for podcasts called podchaser.com. Definitely head over there and check that out for us as well. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude, And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But God, somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.